Dan 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 Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of The Dan Show. This time we'll be discussing our latest book, The Handmaid's Tale by Margaret Atwood. So first we'll be going through our Q3 essay prompts. This time the first one we chose was um, from 2002 Form B. It reads, often in literature a character's success in achieving goals depends on keeping a secret and divulging in it only at the right moment, if at all. Choose an novel or play of literary merit that requires a character to keep a secret. In a well-organized essay, briefly explain the necessity for secrecy and how the character's choice to reveal or keep the secret affects the plot and contributes to the meaning of the work as a whole. So when I hear this, I think of Ofred with, um, since throughout this novel, she keeps various secrets. Um, one main one is from, with the commander, um, hiding from his wife and just from everyone in general. Uh, and then with that, like he, the things he gives her and the things that they do are all technically secrets. Um, and then she hides this from everyone else. And then she's also had a past with Nick and Luke that came out, but at the time it was a secret. Um, also, when she was walking with one of her friends, and um, I forget what the exact instance was, but she asked a question. Um, her friend asked her a question, and she offered an answer in a way that could have put her in danger. And like them keeping that secrecy and continuing to be trustworthy towards each other, um, having trust in other people at that time was a really big deal because anyone could go and um, turn their back against you and tell on you and then you'd get sent to the colonies or um, whatever it might have been so I think keeping secrets and trusting as little people as possible is definitely part of um, Alfred and her experience in Gillian yeah I think it kind of has to show what this kind of also has to say about the work as a whole is it kind of shows like what people are going to almost resort to if there's a lot of rules and restrictions um like in this really heavily heavily regulated society down to you know them controlling like the birth rate or birth control um it just goes to show like just to, if, if you just want to stay alive and live you know the life that you're familiar with you're gonna have to even if it's out of your situation even if it's out of your control you're gonna have to like keep your mouth shut and not tail, like, you know, run your open mouth, t telling everybody, like, hey, this happened to me, or hey, I know this, I have this piece of information, just because, um, you know. Which a lot of the women often did. They often went around telling each other everything that happened, especially the handmaids. Um, like, they had a rumor about Janice, the one that had the baby, um, that, like, at first, like, the baby was fine, and then, like, the rumor went around that, like, the baby not had, like, birth defects. Yeah. And then also when, um, Commander took, offered to Jezebel's, um, even though she, um, often saw her friend in there, they didn't, um, go up to each other immediately, and, um, because of that, that secrecy, they kept each other safe, they kind of knew what they had to do to um, maintain that secrecy and without getting caught. Okay, we're gonna move on to our second uh, Q3 prompt, which is from 2016. 
Uh, it states, many works of literature contain a character who initially deceives others. The character's dishonesty may be intended either to help or to hurt. Such a character, for example, may choose to mislead others for personal safety, to spare someone's feelings, or to carry out a crime. Choose a novel or play in which a character deceives others. Then, in a well-written essay, analyze the motives for the character's deception and discuss how the deception contributes to the meaning of the work as a whole. So obviously we're going to use The Handmaid's Tale again, and um, with this one, the person that does a lot of deceiving I think is the commander, since he's kind of like two-faced, what he shows everyone else and then what he shows to Ofrid. Yeah, I think uh, what what took with me the most is, you know, we we talked about what it takes to like, uh, for a society like to have their society values like stand the test of time and so one thing that we we said is you know in order for a system to be legit like it has to have the people kind of at the bottom of that system not want to fight back so one way to have those keep the people at the bottom stay at the bottom not make them fight back against the system is to deceive them make you know you, you want to make the people think that what they're doing is for like the betterment of society you know and so that's what the commander does with you know trying to control birth rates the the person that comes to my mind was almost in a way aunt lydia yeah just yeah, because yeah like it's hard to say that she deceives people but, but she did in a way. yeah she does but most importantly i think she really get trying to give validity to the system you know telling um the main character offered like mm-hmm. you know it's not about the it's not it is the woman's fault like it shouldn't be the man's um responsibility i don't have my book on me so i can't look at the exact instance but i remember like um like somewhere in the middle of the book especially she said um you know we shouldn't be quite we should be questioning the woman you know yeah um and that power dynamic we'll get more into um in the third section but definitely yeah. i thought Aunt Lydia. Yeah, so I think, you know, with Aunt Lydia's doings, because she's trying to, you know, put on the thing, like, question the women, it kind of, um, it's going to help deceive the public into thinking, like, uh, the women, we, if, we, if we could control the women not to fight back, then in turn we could control the birth rate of the, of the population. Yeah, because that was the whole reason of their town guild, um, because like the government everyone was like killed in the government the president was killed so the whole um country was falling down and then with that um with disease and um with birth control and everything the birth rate was falling uh dramatically so they made this area where the main idea was for women to conceive to increase the birth rate and hold a steady population yeah so if we think about like what's the analyze the motives for the character's deception i think it's just because especially a person like like especially the commander they're in a uh, position of power and if they want to maintain that power well it seems like you know their methodology about doing that is to deceive the public into thinking like what we're doing as a society is the right thing to do and because of that deception you know um that's how they maintain their power that's their motive just because they want to maintain the power um so that kind of, uh, I think, the desire to have power, that's, that's uh, 
kind of like the purpose, um, the purpose of like you know how the motives affects the purpose of the book as a whole. Mm -hmm. yeah. So let's move on to um, microanalysis. We decided to do a microanalysis of the commander and Offred in their relationship. Yeah, so um, in this case, the commander has power over Ofred, obviously. Um, and then Ofred takes this to her advantage since she knows she can get in trouble for seeing him, but she also knows that she'll give him even more trouble um, for denying his first invitation to um, meet him. And then Ofred and the commander, um, they both have a mutual trust for each other because the commander could get in trouble if, if he was, uh, if, if it was known that they were seeing each other. And same for Ofred. She could be sent to the colonies, which is something that nobody wants to uh, do. And uh, it seems that at first the commander just wants uh, companionship with someone uh, that like he trusts that would not betray him. And that's like how it starts when like they just play Scrabble and they talk and then he ends up bringing her out, giving her uh, a life. And it seems that he's almost like guilt. Uh, he like feels bad and so much guilt for um, the just situation that the women are in. And he always questions um, offer to see if she's happy and what he can do to increase her happiness. Yeah. yeah, I think, um, I mean, obviously the commander, he's like one of the, uh, higher ranking person in society. There is, um, we didn't really get into it, but there still kind of is like a, a clear hierarchy within their so uh, the society of Gilead. Mm -hmm. Um, and even though because Alfred, because she's a handmaid, you know, her being a handmaid kind of keeps her at the bottom of, the, of this hierarchy, the commander at the top. But being a handmaid, being able to conceive a child, she she does have like in, like like a bit more freedoms, I guess, to put it, or a bit more uh, value, I guess, compared to maybe other people in society. So I think there's definitely like a a clear like, dynamic between the two people almost kind of confusing you know um to see how, how somebody can like have so much authority over another person um, yeah you know manipulating them for their own uh needs but yeah i think it's an interesting dynamic to say the least from the start you uh are able to notice like that the commander doesn't like only want to see Ofrid just for like physical interactions. Um, you can tell that he, by like the games that he chooses and by the way he interacts with her, that he just does just want someone um, to relate with and that to just hold a steady conversation with. Um, we don't have too much information about his wife and his relationship, but he must um, be lacking this in their relationship since he's going to someone else for that. Um, and. I know in our class we discussed like the choice of the game that it was Scrabble and how it's like a serious game compared to like we brought up like Twister, how that's more intimate and um, more physical than Scrabble, which is um, more you have to think about it. And it's also something that the handmaids aren't even allowed to do because they aren't allowed to read. And um, so it kind of has some irony to that. Yeah, I think the fact that he wanted to play Scrabble with her. Um, really shows how much he not only wanted to know more about her but like actually trusted her and um, I was kind of surprised if he did that even because um, 
he could get in trouble for doing that as well. But I think he really did just want the connection with her. And he also felt bad. And Aubrey even said she would use his guilt. Like, his guilt is the one thing that she had over him, even though he was obviously over her um, in a power dynamic way. Um, but that was the one thing she could use to learn more about what was happening, since the guilt was um, just the only thing that she had on him. Um, we can transition into just the whole um, power idea um, within the area, and then we can also um, talk about the women's rights and how they're being controlled um, and how people argue that uh, she has freedom. Yeah, uh, to start off, one of the most interesting parts um, was kind of, it, was, it wasn't even a part of the story, it was part of like the introduction to the story, like in the story's foreword before you actually got into reading the novel. Um, the author of the story, she discussed how she would get a lot of questions regarding like, is this a feminist novel? And then she would talk about how saying this like, well, is like, um, having like women make their own decisions in a story, if that, you know, promotes fe feminism, then isn't everything a feminist novel? You know, it just goes to show, it was like kind of eye-opening to me. It's like, oh, okay, you know, like, um, I think like a lot of, we could, we could get stuck in like having like our own preset biases, like just because a certain person makes certain decisions means it's like, we're encouraging, uh, I'm kind of like fumbling my, um, my uh, response to it, but it's like, she's saying, just because I'm having like women make their own decisions doesn't mean um, like I'm like it's like a profit. I don't know how to like explain it, but yeah. Um, they also talked about how um, this system is held up by not only the women at top at the top, closer to the top, like Aunt Lydia and Serena Joy, but it's also held up by the. by the women who are oppressed, um, like Ofrin. Uh, I have a quote, it's from chapter 20, page 118. Um, this is when Aunt Lydia was showing them the movies, and it says, sometimes the movie she showed would be an old porno film from 70s or 80s. Um, women were tied up, chains, dog collars around their necks, women were eaten from trees upside down, naked, their legs held apart, women being raped, beaten up, killed. Once we had to watch a woman being slowly cut into pieces, her fingers and breasts snipped off with garden shears, her stomach slit open, and her intestines pulled out. Consider the alternatives, said Aunt Lydia. You see what things used to be like. That was what they thought of women then. Her voice trembled with indignation. So it's kind of like they're trying to say, look, this is how you have it, this is how it could be. So even though they don't have it well, it, they make them feel like it's better than an alternative. Yeah, that, that, that also plays into the deception, making them think that, yeah. uh, like the, the, uh, the values that we have in society now is like the, the kind of the best option we have compared to um, alternatives. Um, so yeah, I think having seen this uh, power of feminism, it kind of plays into the deception of uh, uh, 
you know, make them run society the way it is. Well, yeah, because, uh, yeah, because the whole um, place is like built on making you think that you have freedom, even though they're controlling you in pretty much every aspect. Like even when they describe the rooms in the beginning, um, it's like not they're not like making you stay there. Like they're not trying to prevent you from leaving or anything. They're uh, trying to protect you from killing yourself. So obviously, uh, the it must be very strenuous there and even the handmaid that was in um Alfred's room before she when she she talked to the commander about that and the uh, she was able to get information out of the commander about how um she did kill herself um, i think this is also just very um similar to any type of oppression in general um the system of oppression depends on the people who are being oppressed to um just accept it and live with it because like even like slavery um the slaves did what they did you know and like only when they revolted and is when people like started seeing it as a problem and an issue and I think when they if they would not have done that you know like maybe we would see, still see slavery today um, yeah for sure because um that's like seeing seeing uh, other people go through pain. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of like invokes a like, human emotion. Like it'll open your eyes to like new problems you mm-hmm. didn't perhaps exist. Like you d- didn't perhaps know even existed yeah. beforehand. You know. But it's like the Milgram study that we re- that we learned about in psychology. It's that um, it also explained why a lot of Hitler's generals were able to do that, even though they knew it wasn't right. They still oh, did the did the, did the, the uh, Milgram study did it like have like some sort of power dynamic involved in yeah. it or something? Oh, so I'm like the sure. teacher was told by an authoritative figure, you need to push the button if they get it wrong. Oh, I them. know what you're talking about yeah. now. Yeah. So, and people did it. Yeah. And then you looking from the outside, you're like, no, I would never do that. I would never let that happen. But as you can see, Aunt Lydia, Serena, Joy, maybe they knew it was wrong. Yeah, like that reminds handmaids, me. But they still did it, you know. Yeah, that that you definitely opened my eyes a little bit. Something it reminds me of uh, something that I'm reading about too. Is saying like, if you don't know, like, if you never even like if you, it was something like like your uh, your mind like you're not even gonna like consider an alternative if you don't mm-hmm. like know the other side. So exactly, um, you don't know what you don't know. Exactly, yeah. Ignorance is bliss, too, is the other side of it. Right, like that. for the woman in power. Yeah. But for Alfred and the rest of them. It was not happy, happy story. Yeah, I feel like I should be, like, the audience for this podcast, because I'm, like, so tired right now. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh, I can't wait to get home. All right. So. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that ends our discussion for today. Yeah. Um, probably won't be... Oh, we have one more podcast. Oh, we actually do? Yeah. And then we have one more book to discuss with you guys. Otherwise, maybe do another choice book. So that's it for Dan 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 D